All right, happy Friday, everyone. We are back with another Learning Tech Talks where we are continuing to explore the landscape of learning technology while cutting through the fluff and getting your questions answered. I'm excited. I'm always excited. I think I'm just an excited kind of guy. But, you know, I'm looking forward to today's conversation. We're continuing a little bit the theme of storytelling, but in a very different way this week. We're going to talk about user generated content. We're going to talk about how do you actually get video to work for you? How do you use it to develop skills in an organization? We're gonna be all over, but in a very good way, I think. And I think this is a problem that a lot of organizations are trying to solve. And then I've got Carl, Ho I'm gonna pronounce this wrong. I even got it right. Hodler, right? There we go. That's, that's okay, a, yeah. there we go. Carl Hodler <laughs> is joining me and we're gonna dig into this. He's with StoryTagger. So we're gonna hear a little bit and see a little bit about how their technology is helping. But we're also gonna dig into some of the how you do this because as we were just saying before I hit live, if you build it, they won't come regardless of what you build it with. So we'll talk into how you actually make this work. But before we get into it, we always like to have a little bit of fun with this. And I've got a special Father's Day icebreaker planned, which I think is going to be exceptionally fun. Uh, but before we get to that, why don't we why don't we get everybody engaged along the way? And so if you're watching, comment in and tell me where you are in the world today. But let's start with you, Carl. Where are you today? Hey, Christopher. Hello, everybody. Hope you're all good. Happy Friday to you all. So I am in Brighton, England. There's a picture of oh, that way, Brighton Pier behind me there. So yeah, just south of London on the coast. Um, kind of you, you won't know this, Christopher, but it's uh, it's kind of known as the um, the, 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 the sort of e the e-learning mafia in Brighton. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, old, big e-learning companies down here, um, okay. sort of content, content companies. So, yeah, when in the UK, when people hear you from Brighton, it's sort of like, oh, mm. oh, oh, <laughs> you're, you're in that group. Okay, yeah. I'm so quite, right. quite old, quite old school. <laughs> old school all right well we will all right so i am in i'm in waukesha wisconsin where i always am joined by my houseplant fred and um so let's transition over to the icebreaker a special father's day icebreaker activity so i asked carl i'm a total geek and a dork and so i i think dad jokes are the best i think they're goofy and silly and i like i said i not only am i excitable i also just like to laugh about things so i asked him to pick some of his top dad jokes and my brother has helped me and we've worked together to come up with our best dad jokes and so we're gonna have a little bit of a competition here and we're gonna go back and forth i will go first and we're gonna share our best dad jokes and we're gonna see if we can get the other person to laugh so Carl, your goal when I'm sharing mine with you is, yep, there you go. Massage the cheeks so that they don't accidentally, you know, go into a smile by accident. We're going to share our top three dad jokes and we're going to see if we can make the other person laugh. And for those of you watching, feel free to contribute because I'm always looking for great dad jokes. Uh, so feel free to add them to the list. But I will go first. So you ready for this? You think you can keep a serious face? Okay. So, Carl. Did you hear that Mark Zuckerberg bought WhatsApp for $19 billion? What a dummy. I downloaded it on the App Store for free. One well, no. All right. Hey, I, I got a point on that one. Okay, yeah, so, hey, yeah. I got I to gotta get, get ready for this. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's hear it. So uh, I, I do know a joke about procrastination, but I'll tell it to you later. You know, I had one that did not make my top three that was going to be give me ambiguity or give me something else. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That was that was not my number two. All right. Here we go. <clears throat> so at a recent doctor's appointment, I just learned that the disturbing voices I've been hearing nonstop, they're actually my children. <laughs> that, I have that a lot of them. That, that, yeah, that's that that that's a good that's a good dad joke that one definitely. <laughs> yeah, <is>. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'd, I'd tell you a chemistry joke, but um, I I know I wouldn't get a reaction. <laughs> nice classic chemistry. I like it. I like yeah it. yeah. See, all my dad jokes are kind of homework related. Yeah, um, you know what? That that's that's my contribution to homework time. <laughs> You know, and I'm picturing, you told me you have twin boys. I'm just picturing the, oh, dad, mm. I can just, I can, I can already see it. Okay, here we go. 
So I saw, I, this is going to make me laugh even telling it. <clears throat> so I saw a license plate recently. It said MBA mom. I don't think that kind of license plate would work for me though, because all I have is an associate's degree. So mine would just say ass dad. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Okay. For the draw. <laughs> well, you know, I, I used to have a problem with grammatical tenses, but not yet. <laughs> oh, we're going to lose all our viewers if we keep this enough. <laughs> they're, 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 they're gone. <laughs> it's just they're you and gone. me. <laughs> the stream is dead. The stream is dead. All right. Well, one last one that will not be part of the competition, but it seems appropriate for corporate L&D. Have you heard recently what the most expensive video streaming service is at this time? College. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. We will we will wrap that up for those of you who are watching and say, "Hey, that actually I enjoyed that." And you know what? I want to continue the conversation. Also, don't forget to join the Learning Sharks community at community.learningsharks.com. We'd love to see you there and you can come hang out and spend more time having fun with dad jokes, if you will. But let's transition the conversation over more towards what we originally set the, set the show about. But before we do, tell me a little bit, you shared briefly with me backstage your background, but just for everybody else's benefit, what, what's been that experience? And it's actually been interesting, as you shared with me, the connection between what you did, how you got started and where you are now. Yeah, so I've been I've been working in and around learning for about twenty years, so quite a, quite a long long time. Um, I started off um, with an organisation called Future Media, uh, Future Media PLC. They ran a learning management system called Solstra, which is like one of the really really early ones. Um, my first office there had video discs around the wall just to kind of date it, and okay. um, yeah, we, I, I set up a content studio there, and that team are now part of Skillsoft, so it's kind of been acquired and acquired and acquired from cornerstone and loads of and it's now in skillsoft I'm and then it sure. finally arrived yeah when skillsoft bought it that's I'm, you know you've made it i mean where do you go from there um, where do you go from there where do you go from there <laughs> and um yeah and then I, I did take a few years out uh, i had a bit of a sabbatical working in um a media agency where we did a lot of really early sort of social media campaigns for um sony playstation disney um kind of a whole load of really interesting companies and a lot of that was around social media campaigns so really early early facebook really early mobile trying to get people to make user-generated content and share stuff and it was super super interesting um a lot of game design and stuff in that as well um and um yeah and then from there i set up my own consultancy learn lab um which uh we were uh are were before we transitioned to a product company and that's the next bit of the story um yeah so we started off as a consultancy and we were helping learning teams share the value of learning um help them build learning cultures with kind of marketing mindset going in producing comms and campaigns and stuff um and that was about gosh that was like eight years ago i think we sat learn okay. a bit longer yeah okay so you started with that but now let's talk the transition because you started as a professional services firm with this and you were doing consultancy and helping people do this and then you moved into the product space which is yeah it's not the first time I've heard that story where I, I've seen this before, but I got to say, what, what ended up making you go, you know what, we're going to go from professional services to technical product? Because while some might say, oh, yeah, that's an easy transition, it's actually not because now you've actually got to build the tech and manage all of that. So why, why go down there? Wow. Yeah, it's a good question. And it's um, it's an interesting journey as well, um, full of a lot of things that we potentially didn't really think about. You know, we're, it's, it's, it's been my, as you know, as, as an individual, the biggest learning experience I've ever been on. Um, but we started off, I mean, going back to kind of our original mission with Learner Lab was, you know, helping build kind of learning cultures, get people to be a bit more self-service about how they're kind of uh, thinking about learning and consuming learning. Okay. We used to do a lot of video stuff. So we used to go out and interview people and get um, kind of ambassadors, just people on the shop floor, talking about learning experiences, sharing knowledge. And rather than being a top-down initiative, 
get people um, sort of sharing learning experiences moving up and kind of inspiring and kind of getting that groundswell of community uh, sort of action and spirit in an organization and building motivation, behavior and culture from there. Um, and, you know, we had we, we had a great, great time, a lot of fun traveling around the United Kingdom with a video crew, filming people. So you people. were going around capturing these stories. Yeah, with a video you crew. You were doing this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I bet you can imagine um, some of the challenges that we bumped up against with taking a video crew around the country. Just, just country. a handful. Yeah. Just a handful. So <laughs> before before I go into what didn't work so well, what did yeah. work well was the output was like really powerful and it really pushed the needle forward for these campaigns and people really loved and engaged seeing um, their colleagues telling the story rather than, um, you know, senior leadership Hearing team or, from, yeah, God, it made so the, much the sense. authenticity from somebody who actually has yeah. walked in their shoes. Okay, so yeah. you, were bringing a, you were bringing a combination of kind of the marketing expertise of like, how do we structure? How do we actually capture? But then also the learning side of how do we use this in a way that helps people understand from a behavior standpoint? Yeah. Like, okay, so what do I do with this? So it was the blend of the two. Yeah, absolutely. But um, as, as it's probably been going through your head, the cost, the, um, the amount of time yeah, it's it not takes, cheap. it's not cheap. Um, and, and the lack of scalability. Um, so it couldn't be very inclusive. Only a handful of people would be able to engage in, in that activity, which didn't make it very good from a cultural perspective. No, so, well, and on top of it, well, and again, you'll find in the discussion, I tend to just jump in and out of the conference, but I have to imagine, well, and not only I have to imagine, I've been making these decisions for some time. One of the challenges with it is you end up missing a lot of these stories because you're constantly going, is it justifiable to make the investment is this yeah. going to have the shelf life to justify doing it because if it doesn't it's like it may be the best story ever but if it doesn't have a long shelf life you, you just can't do it you just yeah. it won't stick yeah and you know i mean people are really putting their reputations on the line signing off big budgets to go out and capture that kind of content and anyway we we had this great idea that you know everyone's carrying around like little video studios in their pockets. We've all got the technology. Why don't people just film it themselves? And then we don't have to go out. It'd be a lot cheaper. And we thought that's genius. Um, we should, we should, you know, um, just really kind of work out how that can happen. And so we did some experiments and they just completely bombed. It didn't work at all. I was uh, going to say, I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to, I really want to understand this because you're not the first person in L and D that's thought, Hey, People have a smartphone and a camera. Why don't we just have them go make incredible video content and we'll blow the lid off this thing? And then they go, well, that didn't work very yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, you know, we um, we kind of dug into some of the problems that people were having. And we tried to support with, um, you know, kind of worksheets, interactive PDFs and stuff like okay. that. And 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 the, and the challenges that we really bumped up against were, I mean, the main was that most people really struggle to reflect on their own experiences without someone there supporting them. And and what was happening is when when we were interviewing them, we were there as a sort of like silent moderator, taking them through that reflective process. And if you take that interviewer away, then people are lost at sea. They they don't really understand how to um, kind of condense and sift all that sort of good stuff in their head and bring it out into a kind of meaningful, codified sort of experience. Um, the next thing that we did was as storytellers we'd help people wrap that into a narrative so they'd have all of this stuff and we would put it into um kind of chapters or parts and roll that into something that other people were going to engage with um and find interesting and be drawn along most people we're really good at sharing stories but kind of creating yeah. new ones from scratch that's something that a lot of people don't have a lot of confidence in and yeah. and then the last thing if people had managed to go through those steps we found that the um I didn't know there were so many different apps that could record video on phones, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I didn't know there were so many file sharing services. I didn't realize that people would use services that would make Infosec's eyes water for sharing a work video file. People just had no clue. So I use this yeah. at home. So <laughs> just sort of, and it was like so the consumer grade version of right. Like in the in the corporate world, you're like, there is nothing like this. And you're like, well, yeah, turns out actually there are. 
Yeah, okay. so kind of all of those tools and stuff, they, they weren't there. And no matter how much support we tried to put in, there was so much friction um, against something that people perceived was going to be quite difficult anyway that they didn't do it. And and that is where the seed of the idea is, oh, if we wrapped this all into one really frictionless experience for the employees, they might just be able to kind of go through that process on their own. And, and that was where we started prototyping a product. That, we didn't even realize we were going to become a SaaS business, a product business at that point. We were just, okay. de- we were just, we were just so – we'd seen so much value for the organization and the individual through this. We'd seen people, you know, transformations in people sharing their stories. It's so powerful. I, I love that experience so much of guiding people through that process we just became obsessed with trying to fix it um and then being able to give that to our customers to use instead of us (laughs) with with video and i I think again we're going to be able to (laughs) there's a lot to unpack into this because this is a challenge like i said you're this isn't anybody watching this has probably at some point gone through this man wouldn't it be great you know we've got we could if we could have people creating some of their own content and it is there are a lot of challenges and one of the ones you brought up that's actually been interesting when i started learning tech talks to see that some of the feedback that i've gotten through doing this is that point you made about people need guidance to be able to share content and to come up with things and that is not always if you just turn a camera on somebody and say go It's like blank sheet of paper. Uh, There are very, I mean, there are some, there are some Mm. that, and I think maybe with practice, you get better at it. You know, you just kind of go like, yeah, sure, whatever. What do you want me to talk about? But for the most part, the majority of people, if you did that, they just, they don't know where to start. They don't know what to say. They feel uncomfortable. They're distracted. They're, they're fiddling with the tech. Like it is not an easy thing for people to just jump into. So, you know, I'm curious with that piece and actually, why don't we do this before we do it? Cause the thing is, is people are, you talked about the consumer grade nature of it. So maybe what'd be worthwhile is actually jumping and just at least looking at it. And then we can kind of pull hey, it back yeah. in and out so we can say, okay, now as we get into these, let's talk about some of these specific things in terms of maybe the guidance, maybe the this and that. So that may be a good place to start with it. Cool. I, okay. I forgot to pull up my GIF of GIF, GIF, whatever. I don't want to start that argument of, <laughs> uh, of the lightning round. But like, let's actually let's actually pull this up and talk through it briefly. Okay. Yeah. So um, one of the rules that I, I, I rules are kind of one of the things I learned rules. from the <laughs> from the social media stuff. Life that I've been lessons. Doing. Life <laughs> lessons. But it's kind of a rule. If you want people to make something or to create something, um, the output, the value of what they get from it has to be 10 times better than what they would have expected to have made themselves. And they need to have exerted a tenth of the effort they would have expected to get So they have to come out on the other side going, I thought it was going to be bad and I thought what I was going to create was going to be eh. And they have to come out on the other side and go, that was way easier than I thought. And yeah. wow, this turned out way better than I expected. 100%, absolutely. And, th- and that is our philosophy behind Storytagger. So this is this is the mobile app that I've got on the screen here. Um, and I'll show you, well, we, if we get time, I'll show the admin, because the, the, we've got the same philosophy for um, administrators as well. Okay. But this is, this is the user experience for people recording their stories. Now, the idea... The reason it's on a mobile app is because we want people to take a a, a pause from doing. We want people just to take a step back, have a pause, find a space where they can kind of start reflecting on their experience, um, crafting a story, sharing that. And then, you know, so we we want it to be a punctuation mark in their day. So they grab the app. They come in. This is a campaign. This is my my demo campaigns, Discovering Story Tagger. You can have multiple campaigns, but there's just one on here. You go in. And the first thing you see is terrible thumbnails of me. I, these are my demo ones. I've just been <laughs> just been grabbing these. I've got no idea. Isn't it great go- how AI picks like the absolute worst pictures and well, is like, this is the cover. <laughs> do you know what? You can actually pick your own thumbnail, but because I do these quite quickly, I just kind of grab any and now I'm paying, I'm, I'm paying a really heavy price for that. It's a good job I'm not vain, isn't it? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's not, like, it's not like we're broadcasting this live. No, 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 no. Dinner or anything. It's fine. Yeah. 
most people would pick a nice one. Um, anyway, but the first thing you do is so story storytagger isn't where you view all the videos, but say you've got a cohort um, of so say say you were using it. Christopher, to get your guests to sort of share introductions to what they were going to be talking about on, 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 on this show. I could come in, you say, hey, Carl, want you to make a quick video just introducing what you're going to be talking about and share a few things. I could go in and I could see you could publish some examples back to the app of what previous guests have shown. Yeah. So rather than giving me instructions, you're showing me the thing. And you can so do So people have something to model yeah. against versus yeah. the first time you go in there and you go, uh, share yeah. your story. Yeah. I have no idea what that looks like. Okay. Got yeah. It. Yeah. So this is getting rid of that blank canvas. You're okay. showing people what you're looking at. And you can watch these videos. Um, when you go in to choose your own story. So, um, I've got a bunch of topics on this one, but uh, the idea of a topic is this is a, this is something specific for people to talk about. Um, this is an area that you want people to really dial into. Um, so we can have a look at a personal learning story. Um, okay. It could be anything. So you're even helping architect and say, okay, hey, we're taking this from tell your story to, well, what kind of story is it? So that they can kind of go through and triage that. Yeah, absolutely. So you might have a cohort with a bunch of different stories that you want them to tell or different stories at different times. So you can manage that and have different um, kind of conversation okay. topics. So you, kind can of, you create the different story types? Oh, yeah, completely. So this okay. is all got this it. is all completely uh, manageable in the back end. And we've got a huge okay. temp. We've got a huge template library for people who aren't um, confident. But the story goal is creators. to create some structure. The goal yeah. is to create structure for the end user to say, rather yeah. than just go in, here's some kinds of stories that you can tell. Now let's take you to the next step and say, let's actually break that down even further. Let's break down your story. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about guidance. I mean, one thing you'll notice, there's no instructions. Um, everything is just guiding people through the process. It's also about building confidence as well, because we expect our users to potentially never have done this before. Um, we know that they probably won't have good reflection skills. We know they probably won't be able to be good storytellers. So we want to make them feel better in spite of some of the skills that they perceive in their lacking. And so the first thing we do, um, see, I've, I've watched a video. Um, I think, okay, well, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to create a video like this. And the first thing we do is show them a helicopter view of their story. And what you can do here is you break the story down into parts. You can have different numbers of parts depending on the complexity that you want to go into. This one's got three. And then as a, as a curator, so we, we call our administrators curators. As a curator. So let me ask you this. I'm again going to pause you on this. And, hey, yeah. I'm going to do this throughout. Like with this piece, the story breakdown, because I'm thinking about this from a – you know, experienced designer, instructional designer, this is something that you're saying, hey, going back to what's the role of learning in this is to say, hey, what does construct a good story? So if we want somebody to tell a personal learning story, we know we want people to structure it in this fashion. So I'm guessing that that's part of the behind the scenes is to say, hey, we need to help people know what we want this to look like. Yeah, well, so there's two different use cases. You either want people to go through a kind of reflect, practice, codify process, in which case it doesn't even yeah. matter if the video gets shared, or you're getting people to share knowledge, experiences, advocacy, in which case the video probably will get shared, and you want to make sure there's a good structure for the audience so they they, they watch the content. So it, it's either as I say, just a reflective structure or a sharing structure. I mean, you can have both as well, you know, but um, they're, they're, they're sort of things that go through people's heads when they're putting these structures together. But the idea here is that um, this is your narrative arc. So, you know, you see the parts, you can look at that and you, you pretty much can start having an idea of how you could potentially start thinking about your own experience and mapping it onto that structure. Okay. It's building up confidence. It's just making me feel as if I, I, I can get through this. And then the next thing I do, I can, I can click through. And then this is where we get into the reflective part. So here, um, underneath each part, we've got a bunch of prompts. These are talking points. And these are, the, these are digging into people's personal experiences. Okay. So this is where you can get people to start thinking about, um, you know, what they've learned. their story. Yeah. And, and what you can do. So for an introduction, okay. tell us your name and your role. Um, I need a fresh perspective on. And you can see it gives you a little a timer on how long you can talk about that. Okay. Um, and very quickly, you can scan through 
Um, actually, let's do that one instead. Oh, there we go. I've 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 planned out my story. Um, how I'm going to talk about my personal learning story. Okay. Um, and it, and and I I've basically been supported through that reflective process. Yeah. And I felt no pain. <laughs> it yeah. Was... Well, and and so one of the questions that came up. So I'll I'll bring this one up. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull us back just the two of us for right now, so we can talk about this. And again, we'll we'll flip back and forth because what I like about it is the structure that it provides. And again. We grossly overestimate, I think, the skills and confidence that people have in doing this kind of stuff. Yeah. Even even the underlying assumption that people can use their phone and make a video, uh, that is an assumption that a lot of times we make that is not a valid assumption. And even if they can, their confidence level in doing it to share is not there. So actually be able to, being able to create some structure is key. Now, the question that came up um, that I'm curious about is, so Rudy talked about this and I have some thoughts, but I want to confirm it with you. So the examples that we walked through was more on the people skills, like share your story, share something that went well. But he's asking about the technical side. And to me, I'm looking at this going, I, I can absolutely see how you would do this. And again, going back to, well, what's the role of L&D? or a SME in this is figuring out, hey, what is that right structure that we want people to have so that we can architect this so that we could give this to a technical user and say, we need you to share a story about how this works or something that works on a piece of equipment or something like that. But again, you'd go through the same process, but you'd be setting that up on the back end to say, what is the right structure of a story that shows a good tutorial on how to do a thing, but I'll let you answer since it's your product. <laughs> so our, our primary mission was for people to interview themselves and to go okay. through that, that process of interviewing themselves. So the, the first and foremost thing that we tested and had to prove was the fact that people could go through that process on their own and be able to kind of draw out you know, knowledge experiences and be able to share it in a succinct, um, in a succinct way on short on a, on, a, on a short video. Now, um, you can flip the camera and point at something else and kind of still draw on those experiences and knowledge to share while you're pointing. Do you know when we first came out with? We weren't quite sure how people were going to use it, so we made it quite open ended. Um, and what we've discovered is when you put the technology into the hands of like learning people whose brains just explode with ideas all the time. Um, we, I, we, our customers are the smart ones. It just gets used in so many different ways. Um, so it has been used for doing technical stuff like that. Um, in the, in the same way um, that it's been used on um, kind of you know construction sites and stuff when people talking about safety issues and things. And so they have, you know, I'm, I'm talking about um, something that happened on the site, flip the camera, this is where it happened, you can see, you know, but yeah. but this- Well, and I think what's interesting about you sharing this, and I think this again goes back to the importance of why you couldn't just say, here you go, here's an app and go do this type of a thing, is when even you think about something like, I'm on a construction site and I'm trying to show somebody how to do a thing. There is a lot more of an art to doing that in a way that's impactful than just asking somebody to, hey, take your phone and just record yourself doing something. Because if you don't do that, right, we've all heard that person who takes 37 minutes to explain something that... <laughs> should take like 45 seconds, but they're there. Uh, and then, and then I start, yeah. oh yeah, and great. That type of a thing. So actually that structure behind it of saying, okay, if somebody's sharing how to do something, even technical, we need to think about that from a story standpoint. How do we make that an effective story versus just a one step, two step, three step? Mm, absolutely. And, and that's part of the skills piece as well. So right. um, kind of really early on, um, one of our champions in a big, big tech organization, his uh, sort of EMEA sales director, he asked her to make a video with StoryTagger um, and he, he structured it all. Um, and he was in the same room when she was recording it. And um, she was kind of going through and running out of time all the time because you, you kind of have gate time gates on all the yeah. um 
parts of the video. You might have spotted that on the app. And she's yeah. going, oh, my God, I, I can't do this. I just haven't got enough time. And he said she started, she was all hunched up. And she's an amazing woman, like one of the kind of best sales directors I've ever kind of had the pleasure of working with. Um, but she was hunched up and going, oh, I can't do this. And he said, no, 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 you've got to really just focus on the important stuff that your people need to know. You can't just have all that fluff. You've got to break it down to the absolute essence because they will not watch a long video. They have to be given the core stuff. And he, he said it was really interesting watching her kind of going through the process because she kind of got more and more upright as she went through. And at the end, she just delivered an absolutely on point um, presentation to camera in like, you know, what would have typically taken her maybe six or seven minutes to get through. She wrapped into a, um, you know, kind of 90 second video and just looked absolutely, as say, on point doing it. You know, it's funny. It's funny with that piece because what's interesting, and and I I remember doing an exercise with my teams, and I still I don't. It's been a while since I've done it since I haven't been working directly with the content team, but I I remember I used because I the gating the timing thing. I can imagine sometimes people get we need more time. Like why do you gate this kind of a thing? And I remember I used to do this with content because we do the same thing with written content. We've been taught that you just fill it with as many you know, adjectives and prepositional phrases as you can. And if you can say it in eight words, why not say it in eight pages type of a thing? And it's hard. And again, it goes back to the skill piece. It takes a skill to actually step you back and say, now, now say, and so the extra, I remember I used to do it. I made people go through three times. They'd write content, I go cut it in half. Mm. And then they do it and I go cut it in half again. Yeah. And I, it was like, what? I can't possibly. Yes, you can. Cut it in half. Say it with less. And how do you do that? And so similar to this from a video standpoint, you're actually, while it might be painful for people from a skill standpoint, you're forcing them to grow that skill of how do you say your message more clearly and concisely. Yeah, and practice it in a safe space as well. Right. Um, you know, and you know, you can share it with um, kind of coach or mentor. You know, there, there's lots of different ways you can get feedback and stuff on it. But it's it's such a critical skill. You know, being able to share. Uh, you know, organization agility. I think one thing the last sort of eighteen months has shown is that agility is such a core um, sort of behavior that's needed within organizations of being able to share innovation, being able to kind of, uh, you know, lead and direct people in a, in a, in a really clear um, and concise way is, is an important skill, not just for senior leaders, but kind of through the whole organization to be able to have everybody having those skills. And that's some of the stuff that's been the preserve of like leadership programs and classrooms and being able to democratize that sort of experience through digital. Um, I, I, I believe, and this is one of the things that made me really passionate about it, seeing people go through that experience working on a shop floor in a supermarket, um, being able to give them a little bit of, you know, that experience that their executives have previously only had. That dem democratization yeah. is, is super important. And the pandemic has kind of really shone a light on that. It was all happening anyway. But I think, you know, with kind of digital transformation and all the change that's gone on, you need all your people to be able to think on their feet and, and, and be able to do that. Well, and, and, and the point you made about people feeling like there, there is something about when people feel like they've contributed in this way, there is a sense of pride that goes along with that, that I've not like to your point, this used to be reserved for the high ranks of the organization. And now I on the front lines who has expertise in this area can now share my story or share this out there is something to be said with the impact that can have on culture, engagement, oh, things yeah. like that, where people feel like, you know what, I'm actually part of the solution to the organization. Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 there's one story I remember vividly um, where there was, um, and this is before StoryTagger, but this is one of the things that really inspired me to kind of you know, transition our company and do this. But there was a lady in a supermarket and we went up to her and said, we really want to, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of capturing knowledge and expertise from the shop floor and sharing that. And she's like, oh, you don't want to talk to me. Um, I, I, I just come to work every day. I've got nothing to share. You go speak to Dave over there. He's brilliant. He's really funny. You should speak to him. And we're like, no, 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 no. We'd really like to speak to you. And we ended up getting a story out of her, how she used to do a time on the um, customer service desk 
And everybody really hated working on the customer service desk because you'd end up having to deal with really angry customers. And <laughs> it was it was a hard job. But anyway, the, the, the store manager there, um, he changed the um, kind of framing around the service desk. And they, they renamed it internally as the Yes Desk. And this was all a bit of a kind of organizational thing that was going on. And this, um, this, this um, woman told us the story about how a customer had come and just come really angry to the counter and said, you ruined my Sunday dinner. And she's like, okay, um, how, 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 did you, how did you ruin the Sunday dinner? And he said, the chicken, I cooked it and I cut into it. It was all rotten inside and I had all my family around and it was just, you ruined my Sunday dinner. She's like, okay, um, have you got the chicken? He's like, no, throw it away. Okay, have you got a receipt? He's like, no. And, and, she, says, and she said, previously that would have been her worst nightmare because she wouldn't have been able to give a refund and everything would have just got really messy and the customer would have got angrier. But because they'd reframed it as the yes desk, she was just able to refund the customer and um, he was just really amazed and really happy and he just kind of went okay. away with no fuss. And and she was like, I, and, and I love working there now because I just make people happy all the time and solve problems really easily. And and the thing that struck me was I'd been um, kind of at a, an, an executive session a few weeks earlier where sort of really senior people in the organization were giving 45-minute presentations about the new customer service model that was being proposed. The um, story was <laughs> in far three, better. Yeah, and it went viral across the organization. You know, it was um, it was such a powerful story about what customer great customer experience means to not just the people coming to your um, organization, but for the people working there as well, and how how it really you know changes the culture um, and people's attitude towards their job. So yeah, that was one of the real kind of um, it does make kind of north that. star stories that has uh, has guided me through through all of this. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why we often aspire to do more with user-generated content. We often aspire to say, man, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could do this? Because again, they have the expertise, the front line, the employees are the ones that know what it's really like in the day to day. We can, we can assume and make our assumptions from the crystal palace sometimes, but it's not the same as actually hearing from somebody who's just did it or has yeah. that story of something where I just went through this and this is what happened. So I want to talk a little bit more about how we, we can overcome this, but I do want to make sure I answer Deborah's question just real quick. Cause you talked about it briefly. We, we took a look, I'll pull this up here quick, right? We saw it through the mobile experience and you talked about the intentionality behind that. So is it purely a mobile app or is there also a desktop experience? How does that work just from a tactical standpoint? Yeah, so um, currently it's just um, a, mo a mobile app. Um, okay. And really our thinking behind that was just, again, just taking people away, um, enabling people to go to a place so they're not tethered to a computer. We, we get people recording in all sorts of different places. Um, and, and also being able to do the reflection bit on your phone. You don't have to do the reflection and the recording all at the same time. You can kind of fit it into into your schedule. We, we don't want people are busy. Okay, yeah? so you don't have to go through the whole process no. all at once. You can no. be like, I've got time to do this little piece yeah. and then I'll do the next piece and then the next piece yeah. type of a thing. Yeah, okay. absolutely. And that makes a really big difference. And also then just go somewhere you feel comfortable with to record it. Um, I would say we're not ruling out a desktop experience, um, but for us, the mobile one was really important because it was part of that ethos of um, just helping people find that space stop doing don't be distracted by kind of all kind of emails and stuff like that and kind of all what's going on in the workspace you're in um and and just have a few moments to to reflect and and share well you know what's funny and i i think it was just a couple of weeks ago i was talking to um the seven taps group and they talked about their decision to not allow video into their app and they said it was a, it was a bit of a controversial decision and so you know, talking about the fact that, hey, you know, we're it's it's really mobile only intentionally. One of the things that I I have to imagine unintentionally or intentionally, you tell me, maybe it was intentional. I feel like for the most part, people do a better job of being more comfortable and informal with their phone than they do if they feel that they're on 
webcam or in front of a, it feels like a more informal experience, which to me from a storytelling standpoint is such an important component because if it feels canned or very formal, it loses some of that authenticity. So while, you know, some might say, wouldn't it be great if we could do this from a desktop? I mean, part of me thinks, but would you really want to? It's, 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 it's one that we're, wrestling with at the moment um because the technology is not hard um it's just thinking yeah, about the tech's not hard yeah I mean, yeah you just switch the experience you make a, a desktop version it taps into your webcam and and mm. Mike, i mean it's not the it's not the technology piece but to your point of but would you really want to with the you know i think sometimes we go down this path of like well we should without putting the thought behind but should we or would it actually take away <laughs> from what we're actually trying to accomplish? Well, if I if I can just nip, dip, dip back into the mobile yeah, experience again quickly, I can show you the reason that um, we're kind of really um, we really love the mobile format for um, how people use this. So, um, is this still working? Yeah. So, one of the things I can do. Um, hang on, I'll just come back out of that. So, I, I can I can make some notes. So you don't have to remember everything um, while you're kind of sharing your video. And you can see here, you've got 30 seconds to talk about, um, you know, introducing yourself and those points. And then when you go into the recording mode, so here, here I am, my, my microphone's in the way. Um, <laughs> You're and fine. So the app guides me into the recording process. I haven't had to press a button. It uses my face as a starting okay. point to start the camera. So I'm not stressing finding buttons and stuff. I've got my... So, you know, I'm talking about my name, my name and my role. I've got my notes underneath. I can obviously have a few more than that. I can scroll through. I needed a fresh perspective on um, on this. Um, I can see the timer running at the top of the screen. But if I finish early, I can I can finish. There we go. And there's my video. And if I if I if I'm not happy with that, I can just do it again and again and yeah. again. And it's super quick. If I'm happy, I can just save it. Um, and then that just starts syncing the background. I can just do the next bit. And And, and this is. It's not telling me where to put my face. It's telling me when my face is in the right position and guiding me. It doesn't. It, it, it's all about the confidence building side of things. And the other thing it's doing. I, is, didn't, I didn't even notice that. So it's no. actually, it's actually kind of like gently nudging you for like, hey, here's how you should position yourself versus being very directive and kind yeah. of autocratic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, some people could be in a reasonably fragile state before sharing a video about work. You know, we, we it's all about building their confidence, making them feel good. And and the other thing we spotted, you know, was that people um, on the very first version of the app, people were filming themselves really weirdly. Um, so you'd get, you know, kind of like up the nose shots or people just sort of having their face <laughs> off the screen. And that it's, it's sort of like super distracting. So we'll just do it again. And so just kind of mapping, so this is mapping someone's face. You saw there as well, it's also monitoring the um, audio levels. So it's making sure that you're getting really nicely framed, the audio is nice. So it's not only just helping, again, from a structure story standpoint, helping you know, and again, you know, laying this out, but also even just the making sure that the video is actually a, yeah. a good sound video is also on top the other thing that i'm what's interesting and now i totally oh the other piece going back to this whole mobile versus desktop version one of the things that i think is actually also smart about the mobile piece is the fact that with desktop cameras it can be very difficult and you can tell when somebody's looking at notes or looking at their browser window and the camera's up here or the you can you can't really guarantee where the camera is on somebody's computer some of them they put them in the keyboard which is like the absolute worst place for it. i don't know whose idea that was <laughs> but then some people have external webcams or they have a second monitor or they have other things and so the consistency in being able to do that um you know, would be there. So I think Deborah's question, the reason she was asking, she said there's some parts of the environment where mobile phones aren't allowed. But I think one of the other piece that's interesting with it is the fact that, like you said, you don't have to do this all in real time. So you could do yeah. components of it when you can.
So, oh, just can we just nip back in quickly? Because just on your yeah. on your on your on your point there, because you spotted something that's really important. So, one thing that you may have spotted is that all the UI is at the top of the screen. Yeah. So what that means is if even if I'm reading down my notes, my eye will always go back up to my own face, the movement on the screen. So when you're watching my video, I'll be making eye contact with you. I won't be reading off screen or being distracted. Yeah. So when you're watching me sharing this stuff, you'll feel as if I'm talking very directly to you. And going back to your point about the mobile um, experience, it feels kind of like intimate isn't the right word but you feel it's it's very close to that sort of face-to-face -face environment i've i've we've we've supported learning technologies conference over in the uk before and keynote speakers doing um preview videos and stuff like that and i've walked up to them thinking i know them because i've watched their video and and they're like I'm, I'm really sorry. I don't actually remember you. And I'm like, oh God, I, I just watched your video on Storytagger and I feel like so, I'm your friend. <laughs> what's actually really funny about that. So we, we talked, we would, go, we would go on this connection piece a little bit because that to me is one of the things with video when you're doing, when you get authenticity right, it really can be a very powerful tool for this. And again, going back to, going back to that, just as an example, a, a story that I'll share of mine on this, was I've always done webcam, right? This kind of, it's just kind of been my thing. Largely for, well, there's a lot of reasons, but the bottom line is I will never forget one time I was with an organization and nobody used webcams except me. Nobody used webcams except well, me. Well, they didn't the turn eye. them on. You were the only person who- Right, yeah, right. yeah. I was the only person who did it. And for, people thought I was weird and I'm like, I don't care. Like, at least this way you can feel like you know me and I'm so used to it. I don't even see myself, you know, you just go with it. And anyway, I happened to have to go to, I happened to had to go to a meeting in the office. And I remember walking in and I didn't know what anybody looked like because no one had turned on their cameras. And I walked in and on two separate occasions, people came up and gave me a hug. And I remember going, <laughs> like, who are you? <laughs> like, why are you <laughs> hugging me? And it, similar to you, it clicked where mm. they went, oh, my word. I've been talking to you. I feel like I know you. I'm, I'm connected to you. You've That relationship is, yeah. you have no idea who I am, do you? And I'm like, <clears throat> I don't. I, I, mm. I kind of recognize your voice, but that's about it. And I remember it actually, after that experience, it actually tipped the scales on everybody turning on their webcams. Yeah. Because suddenly people went, I remember that experience where we went and we felt like we knew him and he had no idea who we were, despite yeah. the fact we'd both spent the same amount of time together. But what, what made the difference was that personal connection. A hundred percent. And and we hear that from, um, so back when people used to be able to go into physical classrooms, we will again, but um, when story tag was used to kind of flip classrooms. So, you know, yeah. like personal introductions, you don't really want to be spending 20, 30 minutes or longer <laughs> no. on doing personal. They're so important because it builds up trust. They're important, and but they eat up so much They eat up time. so much right, time. We're going to spend the first three hours going around with everybody yeah. sharing their stuff. So it gets used a lot for flipping that. So people do that as a pre a pre classroom yeah. task and use story tagger for it. And I remember one of the first sort of trainers, facilitators we spoke to who'd used it. He said, "You know what was really mad? Because I usually I usually walk into a classroom and everybody is just silent on their phones, not saying a word, and they take a lot of warming up. And on the first session where I used story tagger, where everyone introduced themselves in advance." Everyone's just sitting on the desks, chatting. And I actually had a job to kind of bring the levels down so we could start the session off because everybody had just kind of connected. And he said it was a brilliant session because that, that trust had been um, really accelerated at the beginning. And, and that's so important in digital environments now as well, where people aren't necessarily getting to meet. Or you're having the split teams, which is happening more and more, where you've got some people digital, some people in a classroom, and you've got to try and create that network effect. So using video to connect people in that way um i think it's 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 going to be even more important moving forward now well and i think that example of what you gave right there just just anybody in lnd in general story tagger or not that video introduction from people is actually a brilliant idea 
virtual classroom, in-person, like whatever you're doing to one, trim that time out because we've all been there and that has eaten up way too much time, but also as a way to actually create that relationship mm -hmm. between the participants yeah. before they even come together. Because that's always the awkward part when people are first together and they're like, I don't know who anybody is. I don't know anything about them type of a thing. And it's a great way to break the ice. I like Absolutely. That. Well, we kind of came across the power of that by accident, because what we really the objective was practice diaries, um, which have always been which have always been really, really challenging, no matter how easy the technology is, practice diaries have been kind of, you know, stubbornly hard to get people to do. So the idea of using StoryTag for practice diaries, we knew that would be a big ask going in cold. But if they had that human connection, that relationship building, and they found the technology was really friendly at that beginning process, then that chips away at some of the reservations and barriers that you have to getting people doing regular practice diaries. So, um, yeah, and that, that was, and, and then also impact diaries as well um people kind of down the line using it to share and then as a curator as a um, facilitator you've got that beginning middle end and what we see people doing is getting all the stories um and making montages out of them so this is this is you know this is what i need to get out of it this is the problems i'm facing this is what i've learned and how it's affecting me in the workplace and these are the changes that i've made and you get 15 20 people kind of with all those stories interspersed you go well there you go there's the value of this program delivering okay yeah no it's i it is i i again i'm gonna stop because otherwise we're gonna go down this path and then <laughs> we're, we're gonna run out of time i know that for a fact so i want to shift gears a little bit to, to talk about something else and then i do have a tactical question for you too so i need to think of the order in which i'm gonna ask this but let's let's go with this bigger piece and then i'll make sure i stop you if we go too far um but one of the things we were talking about before we went live was the fact that the lines between learn good learning tech is that it really blurs workplace tech because the use case is no longer just, oh, for our learning programs or for learning content or for icebreakers for this. And as we're talking about the power of storytelling and even the example you gave of the grocery store, that wasn't really a learning initiative. That was a change management enterprise. We're doing something in the organization and we need to help people understand the why and why does this matter type of a thing. And it actually reminds me, I've been, I've been paging back through Nick's book, How People Learn, Nick Shackleton Jones. And it talks about the importance of emotions in being able to connect this, but that's not just learning. So I'm, we, we talked briefly about this, but this is the kind of thing that is not necessarily just learning and development. And you shared some stories of organizations where L&D has brought this in to say, hey, we can use this to share knowledge and share, you know, do some of our user generated content. And then it's gotten wings and gone much broader than that. Yeah. So, I mean, what's interesting, I mean, we, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm L and D that's my, my whole history really is from, from learning. So we very much came, excuse me, story tagger from a learning perspective. So it was all about that. And, and what's interesting, actually, you know, you're absolutely right about the kind of, um, you know, the change programs, culture pieces coming out. And we found that all the way through when we've been, as soon as you go and start talking to employees, some of the experiences that come out, they often sort of blend into that sort of bigger kind of communications, kind of people sort of side of things. Um even if they've started off in learning. But what, what we find is that um, a lot of the other tools out there, because there's, there's loads of video tools, and yep. most of them, they, they have very specific needs. I was, I was thinking back um, to when I first started using um, writing words on a computer, and I had a BBC Micro um, in my lecturer's office at Art College, <laughs> and that was the only computer that I had access to. And was it WordWise on a BBC Micro? I'm really showing my age now. I've done video discs, now I'm doing <laughs> BBC Micro. Um, but I had one word processor I could use. That was the only yeah. way I could input text into a computer. And now, I mean, my goodness, uh, hundreds, hundreds of ways. Yes. And I think kind of video technology is kind of going the same way. So you have tools like this for sharing conversations. Um, you have tools that go out and you kind of film people doing stuff in front of you. And a lot of the a lot of the video tools are about go and film this, show show us this. And um, what we do is getting people to talk about their own experiences. 
and and really kind of replace that interviewer experience. Yeah. And and so um, a lot of people haven't kind of necessarily thought about that as a sort of like, you know, a way of using video and coaching and guiding people through the process. It just happens that we know that people struggle. Is it like 82% of people struggle to reflect effectively or something? That's a huge number. It's a huge um, number. So we we come from that space. So we think, well, we've got to help people go through this. So it's obvious to us. But then when, you know, you give it to someone in comms or somebody, um, you know, who's trying to get this sort of, uh, you know, senior leadership team to sort of smooth out a new merger or acquisition or uh, project managers working on a construction site where they're having to report back on sort of safety issues or kind of, you know, right. stuff that's happening um, uh, around a project like that, then being able to guide and structure that conversation as you would if you were just standing there with a microphone and getting the good stuff out of people and helping them, you know, <laughs> reflect, basically. No, it's, that's... It's, it's huge. And again, you brought it up earlier in the show, and I don't even know that we fully unpacked the importance of that piece, that that is there is a, a bit of an art to that interviewer piece because people that is in in my perspective one of the biggest inhibitors of creating good content is the fact that people struggle with the reflection they struggle with the structure they struggle with how do i say they struggle with that and a good interviewer can help draw that out of people but to your point earlier the scalability of having a camera crew and an interviewer go around and try and capture these stories all the time, it's it's very challenging. So to me, that's where, as I learned more about the platform and really just the conversation with you, I went, this is bigger. While, while it's niche in its use case, <laughs> it's far bigger than just learning and development. And I think that's from an enterprise standpoint where you know the consideration is significant. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, kind of now moving into the curator experience, I do realize we're kind of chipping away at the time, but that while we knew that our um, end users, the people, you know, employees would struggle with reflection, storytelling, and the technical side of things, that we know that curators, whether they're from learning, HR, comms, uh, people teams, wherever, they may not have all the skills to curate user-generated content, which is like the stuff that, you know, I was um, like, you know, learning kind of back back in the day and so to support the piece you were just mentioning about making good interviews um we've got a huge template library attached to different goals so career and people change innovation okay. communications we've been building this up over eight years um and you go in and um i don't know if we can find the one that i was just looking at and it's on another page oh personal learning stories here we go and there we go and and these are just ready to drop in to your campaigns okay. and you can cut you can customize them um and um you can kind of select by goals if you go to change and innovation um that was well, and this actually ties well to where I was going to go with my last question from a technical standpoint was we talked about the actual video creation piece for the end user, but then I was curious, you know, what ends up happening with that video so that it can then be used because that logistically can be an absolute nightmare. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been in something where it's like, yeah, let's have people record it and then they'll put it on their phone and then they'll upload it to a shared drive, yeah, send it to, and you're like, Oh, for heaven's sakes, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. Yeah, so here's all the thumbnails again. Um, I love being the star of this show. Um, so, yeah, here's all the videos. So as soon as a video gets shared, submitted from a phone, it ends up here. All the curators get a notification. Um, you can ping it back to the app if you want to share it as a kind of point of good practice. Or some of the leadership teams actually just use StoryTagger as a point of, you know, that's where they're okay. sort of sharing videos and experiences. But other teams, they just grab the videos and you can just download you can download them and um, just transfer them to wherever they need to go, or you can um, just get the video and you can okay. just get. Um, so there's also just... going back because inevitably some people are going to have questions on like governance and things like this. Oh yeah, there's actually opportunity to say, hey, you know, it comes through here, and this is your point about the curator piece of you have the opportunity to kind of say, hey, we we're going to curate through some of these things, so it's not totally. just a massive yeah. library. 
So there's a whole load of InfoSec, GDPR. Uh, basically, as soon as the story is uploaded, the curator owns it. So even the person who made the video doesn't own that piece of video. It's streamed to their device. So as a curator, you have complete control over the content. It's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as well as all the templates, um, the engagement side of things as well. So um, you're able to send out um, nudges and reminders to people so you can um send out a reminder to people we've got templates in here um okay. and you know you can select when no send I mean, stuff it's... out and it's yeah it's all the stuff that's kind of time consuming and difficult that we we've put into that this platform. i mean again i i said it briefly and i'll we'll, we'll wrap on this is the fact that that logistics and ops side of things people often do not account for what goes into that. And I think even just, even though it was brief, it's, it's an extremely valuable piece that is oftentimes overlooked. So yeah. I, I think it's great that it's not only capturing the video, but actually then dynamically managing. Cause <laughs> I just think of an example where one time, again, making assumption about what the workforce can do or where their skills are. The, the thought that they can record a video on their phone and put it in this shared drive. That seems like just such a, yeah, that's a piece of cake, but it's not. And that's then now huge. you've got a shared drive of who knows what that you mm. then, I mean, it's, it's a nightmare. Like it gives me the shakes thinking yeah. about it. So yeah. Anyway, like I said, I knew we were going to run out of time. So yeah. um, I'm going to wrap us up. But this has been fantastic, Carl. I really appreciate you taking the time to walk through this, also show it, um, and just and just spend some more time. I think not only did we talk about the tech, but really the importance of how do you really get this storytelling and user-generated content thing right? Because there's a lot of considerations that go far beyond just the tech. So. I appreciate the time. Thanks also for the great dad jokes. I've got a few more to add to my arsenal. And this has been thank great. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And have a wonderful weekend.